May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I preached my first sermon ever in 1998 at a youth worship service at my home church in Hattiesburg. And ever since then, I keep a little log of all the scripture passages that I've ever preached on. And I noticed something this week, that in 20 years of preaching, yes, I am that old, in 20 years of preaching, I've never preached on Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. Now, it may not be a surprise to those of you who know me well, I'm a professional religious person who likes to follow rules and who is loyal to tradition. And so, in today's gospel, Jesus seems to directly rebuke a group of professional religious people who like to follow rules and are loyal to tradition. But as is often the case, the preacher needs to hear the sermon as much, if not more, than the congregation. And so all through September, we will journey through the Gospel of Mark as we encounter several passages in which Jesus offers challenging, perhaps surprising teachings. Passages that, if we read them rightly, will confront each of us at some level, changing or challenging or confronting us to ask us how to reevaluate how we view God, how we view others, and how we view ourselves. And since today we will soon gather around this table to break bread, and perhaps later this afternoon or tomorrow gather around grills and patios to share one last summer cookout, It makes some sense that we begin this journey in Mark with a passage in which Jesus deals directly with the issue of food, what to eat, and how to eat. Now, you've probably heard a lot of sermons on Pharisees, but let me explain a little bit about what's going on here with Pharisees and hand-washing. The Pharisees were legal scholars who were intent on ensuring that the people of God adhere properly to God's law. They understood that Israel was called and gifted by God to be a holy nation, a people set apart to bless the world. Their observance of the law was meant to be a witness to the other nations. It was important to keep the law. And what's more, the Pharisees took seriously the idea from Exodus that God desired Israel to be a priestly kingdom, a holy nation full of holy people. And just as the priests were commanded to wash their hands before they served in the temple, the Pharisees believed that all Jewish persons should wash their hands before they ate as a way of sanctifying the meal as a way of reminding themselves 
that all of life is a gift, and that as we break bread together, this is a sacred moment. And of course, it probably doesn't seem too silly to us who say grace before we eat as a way of sanctifying and setting apart and giving thanks to God. Now, this tradition of washing your hands before you ate wasn't explicitly commanded in the law, but it was intended to remind people that every time they sat down to eat, they were to be a holy people, blessed to be a blessing, and that this blessing, this bread, the very breath they breathed, it was all a gift. It's a wonderful tradition. And the Pharisees are disturbed to see that some of Jesus' disciples are ignoring this tradition. They're eating without washing their hands. And so the Pharisees confront Jesus. You see, the Pharisees recognize Jesus as a rabbi. And they come to him with their concern. The people of Jesus' day looked to the rabbis to teach them how to fulfill the law. Remember, there are 613 laws. It's hard to keep them all in your mind. And it's hard to make sure you follow them to the letter every single day. But the rabbis would help by interpreting for you which laws were really important and which laws could be kept by keeping the others. So, obviously, keep the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments. But all the other ones, you would be able to kind of get a smaller list that the rabbi would help you figure out. And when you found a a rabbi that you liked, like, you know, shopping for a good preacher, when you found a rabbi that you liked, you took on that rabbi's yoke. It was said that you yoked yourself to that rabbi. So when a person asked you, uh, who do you follow? I follow that rabbi. I'm yoked to him. And when you yoke yourself to a rabbi, you take on the list of that rabbi's legal teachings. That was also called a burden. You yoke yourself to a particular rabbi, took on that rabbi's burden. And so if the Pharisees came and challenged you, why are you not doing this? You would say, well, Rabbi Jesus told me this. And of course, it's why Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And the Pharisees didn't like that at all. The Pharisees think it's too easy. Too light. They confront Jesus because if his disciples would disregard something as easy as washing their hands before they ate, which of the more difficult laws are they also ignoring and disregarding? And as Jesus becomes more popular, are people going to follow him to their own destruction? And so they confront Jesus. But Jesus, not to be undone, confronts the Pharisees right back. He quotes Isaiah. And I love it because he says, look, I'm not calling you hypocrites. Isaiah's calling you a hypocrite. 
He says, Isaiah says, they will honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now, Jesus offers an example that didn't get read this morning because it's just a little bit too confusing. But uh, the part that I skipped in the Bible, I didn't do it because it's not important. I I wanted to tell it to you this way. Uh, He says to the Pharisees, "Um, this is my problem with you, Pharisees, since you have a problem with me. Uh, You teach that the fifth commandment is to honor your father and mother. Everyone would agree, yes. And, And this generally included the assumption that children would provide financial support for their elderly or sick parents. This was well before pension plans and 401ks and Social Security. It was the child's responsibility to care for their parents in their old age. Honor thy father and mother. The Pharisees shake their head. Yeah, that's right. And Jesus says, but don't you also teach that If instead of giving money to your parents, you give that money instead to the temple as an offering, then it counts for both your tithe and for honoring your parents. And the Pharisees said, well, yeah, but you got to understand, money's tight these days, and if you have to make a choice between giving to the church or giving to your parents, give to the church. Jesus points out their own hypocrisy. And how they violate the commandments as well. Basically, Jesus is saying, look, none of us, huh? None of us keep the law perfectly, do we? All of us seem to make choices about what's more important or less important. Jesus points out the problem with the Pharisees was not that their love of the law was so sound, but how their love of the law had blinded them to the true intent of the law. What God desired was a pure heart, and the law was a gift intended to give shape to that purity. But the Pharisees had so focused on the outward observance that they had lost sight of the inward purpose. They could make their offering at the temple on Saturday while their parents starved on Sunday and they still feel self-righteous enough on Monday to judge Jesus' disciples for eating without washing their hands. But Jesus isn't done. In fact, he's just getting going. He's confronted the Pharisees right back, and then he confronts the crowd. He calls the crowd over and says, without giving the Pharisees a chance to respond or defend themselves, he calls them over and says, you know what, people? Now that I'm thinking about it, there's nothing that you can eat that will defile you. Nothing that you can eat that will make you unclean. Jesus says, it is not what we put into our body, but rather what comes out that makes us clean or unclean. Now, for us Christians, 2,000 years later, that makes perfect sense. But think about it as a Jewish person that day, who for your entire life has been told that God really did care about what you ate. 
that God had commanded you not to eat certain foods, to abstain from pork and shellfish, rare meat, to avoid mixing dairy with beef. You were told your entire life that this diet made you clean, made you holy, kept you in right relationship with God. It is what makes you Jewish. And Jesus seems to say, what you eat doesn't make you who you are. Jesus leaves the crowd, goes into a, a room, a private home, and there the disciples confront Jesus. Later, in private, the disciples ask Jesus, Explain yourself, Lord. Because they too had been raised with this teaching their entire life. And Jesus is quite blunt. He repeats the saying, what comes out is more important than what goes in. And then he lists a whole bunch of things that come out that no one really wants to do. He offers a list like fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, and folly. In fact, Jesus isn't letting us off the hook of the law. He's raising the standard. Look again at the list of vices. Did you notice all of them have to deal with how we treat other people? If we keep every law perfectly and yet treat our neighbors wrongly, we've missed the whole point. It's what the Pharisees were doing. It's what everybody seemed to be doing, and Jesus simply is pointing out the truth. Remember, when Jesus is asked directly which law is the most important, he quotes Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. Love the Lord with your whole self and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's how the passage ends. Jesus gets up and leaves town. And so Jesus confronts us this morning. But he does so around a table. We're not asked to wash our hands, but we are asked to cleanse our hearts, to admit and confess how so very often we hurt others by what we say, how we judge others for doing things that we ourselves struggle with, how we erect walls to keep us separated from those that we determine are unworthy, how we lie, how often we cheat, how often our thoughts wander to places they shouldn't and we dream of lives that could be better if only we had more. Our hearts 
are too full of ourselves to leave any room for God. And yet, Jesus knew that about us before we even stepped into the room this morning. And still knowing that, he set a table for us. He invites us to eat with him. And he asks us to let him dwell in our hearts. This food is not just to nourish our body, but it is the Spirit of God that nourishes our soul. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus wants us to understand it really doesn't matter what we eat, but it does matter a great deal with whom we eat. At this table, there are no boundaries, no prerequisites, there are no perfect guests, only a perfect host who has plenty of food, plenty of forgiveness, plenty of mercy, and plenty of room for all. Blessed are those who come to this feast. And blessed is the one who sets the feast for us. Amen.